and welcome to Super Boothers. I am Bob Paycheck's replacement for Disney CEO Ryan Salinas. You said Paycheck. Yeah, that's his name, Bob Paycheck. That's oh, Bob, Bobby Paychecks. All right. <laughs> I'm Ismail, the president of the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Welcome to Super <laughs> Withers. <laughs> uh, so Disney's in some hot water. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, a little I, bit, a little bit. There's Yeah, there's other stuff. Th- okay. You threw me off with that one, but there is definitely some political stuff going on with Disney. This is, this is a Disney podcast now. We're done with Photoboost theme. <laughs> Goodbye. Well, I think people do know that we're both huge fans of Disney. And you, I always say, if I ever want to know anything about Vegas or Disney, Ryan mm-hmm. is the man. Ryan it's is the man to ask. weird things to be such a professional. <laughs> the say. city of sin and then like family then, friendly. <laughs> You're one of a kind, just, Ryan. So freaking funny. Well, so this is the thing. So Bob Chapek is... Disney's current CEO and the car, the, the he was kind of like Barack Obama in in the fact that he got handed a bunch of debt and turmoil whenever we had his little turnover. You know, uh, Bob Iger was out the door whenever pretty much COVID happened. So like literally, Bob Iger left. Bob Chapek comes in, and then the park shut down like a week later. And just huge mess of, you know, whatever to fix or whatever. But uh, the kind of interesting thing is everyone is a little upset with them and how, you know, a lot of things have changed. You know, Fast Pass is gone. Lightning Lane is in. You know, Genie Plus is being charged for, you know, extra extra money on top of your ticket. There's a lot going on that a lot of people don't like. And uh, I just saw that his contract is up in February and it's looking like it's not going to get renewed. So we may have a new Disney CEO on our hands. Yeah, I mean, I've got a. I don't. I'm not an expert on this guy, but I have a lot of like varying thoughts. First of all, I think the stock price ultimately tells a story, right? So I th- the stock price is not doing well, and I think that's what would ultimately cost people to push him out. People are always complaining that Disney's getting more expensive, and it's not like yeah. it used to be. But like that's capitalism. Like they have to charge more to keep the crowds as small as possible, even though they're, they're crazy large, but like they have to do that. Right. Um, And as long as the company's making money, everyone's happy. But, and also Bob Iger, when he first became the CEO of Disney was like kind of questioned too. Like he wasn't loved in the very beginning and he ended up being one of the greatest CEOs ever. So I like to give people a shot. However, there's definitely something going on. Like, I don't know if he's a great leader. I've read that he's not good at social the social absolutely aspect of not. leadership. Absolutely yeah. not. No, no, he's, no. He's more this of the is, guy that was running the parks and he's more of like a numbers for kind sure. Of guy. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is my thing is you have people like and I have a point, I promise. You have people like Michael Eisner in late 80s, early 90s, and he was almost Walt Disney-esque, as in he was there whenever they were doing, you know, they had like a on an ABC movie that they're, you know premiering on Saturday night, Friday night, whatever, or Michael Eisner was the one doing the intro. Just like Walt Disney used to film intros for, you know, World of Color and, you know, all these other fun things that he was doing. He was very charismatic like that. Bob Iger is very charismatic like that. Bob Chapek is absolutely not like that. And this is the thing that I found interesting was you will see a whole bunch of TikToks on people – at the parks and 
Bob Chapek will show up. And I mean, I can't imagine how like volatile that could be because Disney people are crazy. I mean, clearly, but the, but this is the interesting thing that I really, uh, am, am kind of, um, I don't know what the word is. Do you remember we were talking about uh, Undercover Boss and you have all these CEOs that would go in and, you know, kind of check out what's going on in like, you know, these huge gigantic businesses or whatever. You have those people that have no clue who their CEO is. Every Disney employee absolutely knows who their CEO is. So it's not like he can do something like that. However, what I really feel that is interesting is as a leader, you should always be – the first person to do any job, no matter what it is. I've always said, I will never ask anyone to do something that I would not do myself. You know, that is just, it's just something you just don't do. You know, it's not like, Oh, you're going to do the scut work. I'm not, that's absolutely not the case with Disney. Every employee from a janitor all the way up to the CEO is called a cast member. Every cast member, every employee of Disney is required to wear a name badge. Michael Eisner did it. Bob Iger did it. Bob Chapek refuses to do it. And it is just so interesting to me how many, you know, you're just kind of scrolling through TikTok. I was reading some of the comments. Someone was like, oh, Disney cast member here. He's the reason I quit. Like, he's just such like, uh, do as I say, not as I do sort of leader. I watched the Bob Iger masterclass. Did you ever see that? No, I never got a chance to watch. I, I want to. So it's a great masterclass. It applies to 10 people in the United States because I will not be doing a merger with Marvel. I do not know, do not need to know how to do that. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so out of touch, I think. But also if you're Bob Iger, pretty sure you're going to be doing some out of touch things. Um, there are other ones that do a better job of, you know, applying it to everyday people in an everyday life, you know, that sort of thing. I saw Anna Wintour's and she talks about being a leader on like a little micro level and it was great. Bob Iger, not so much. I mean, yes, he, he talks about his morning routine and the things that he does and how accessible he needs to be to people or what have you. But, um, what I would love to learn from him. I don't know if, I don't know if he got into this in the, in that course, but I would love to learn from him because I think he's a master at relationship building and networking. Mm. Very I don't know if you got so. into that at all, but that to me is like a superpower. I don't think he did so much, but I will say that you most definitely had a lot of takeaways. But anyways, um, this is something that I was also scrolling through TikTok on and I wanted your opinion on. So let's take a listen to this clip. There's a Harvard Business Review called Connect Then Lead. It states they did a lot of research on thousands and thousands of leaders and salespeople. And what they found is that the two most important traits of top leaders and salespeople for influence are competency and empathy. But the order matters. I'm going to share a, a quick little story with you. My husband decided to trade in what we lovingly called his shopping cart of a vehicle. He called the sales guy and made an appointment. And as we're driving down, he looks at me and he says, now listen, no matter what he says, no matter what the price is, we're not buying anything today. You got that? I said, I, I got it. So we get to the car dealership. Out comes this sort of middle-aged silver-haired guy. He takes one look at my husband and he says, Lee Gerstein, it is so amazing to meet you. He said, I hope you don't mind. I looked you up on LinkedIn. I like to know a little bit about the people I'm going to serve. And he said, I see that you're the past president for the National Ability Center, and my own son has autism. 
He said, I just want to thank you for the work that you do. My husband's eyes just lit up, right? They go into Jared's office and they start talking about autism research, about cures. This goes on for 25, 35 minutes. We stand up. We're walking to go out on the car lot. We haven't even seen a truck. My husband looks at me and he says, I think he has what we need here. (laughs) Here's the thing. Jared had the competency for trucks. Jared knew about all the different models. He knew about the horsepower. He probably knew the future of self-driverless trucks. But he knew something much more important. He knew my husband, Lee. And that's why you may want to write this one down. Trust is built of five components, but it's empathy that gets you in the door. It's reliability, competency, integrity, and vulnerability that keep you there. But you have to lead with empathy. Both are equally important. You need to know your product. You need to know your people. But here's the thing. Before people decide what they think of your message, they decide what they think of you. Don't ever forget that. What are your thoughts on this? Because this is kind of like a huge bomb to drop. Well, first of all, I really like these clips. I'm curious to hear from people if they like hearing these and hearing our take on it. Um, and uh, I have so many thoughts. That was that was a great clip with a lot of insight. It was good, uh, huh? Yeah, it was it was really good. I, I I really enjoy that story, and I think there's a lot of takeaways to take from that. Um, and they apply to our industry too, because that salesperson really connected with their um, potential client on a personal level, and it wasn't fabricated; it was real. Uh, yeah, and it, it reminds me of like one of these people that I know that are a great salesperson, when I asked him for advice, he's like, every time I go into someone's office, I'm always looking around for photos or trophies or what are they into that I can relate to them on? Because Mm. he was saying the same thing. You have to relate to them first and you can't fake it, right? You can't say, oh yeah, mountain hiking. I love that. And that person researched the guy, found out something that they really connected on. And then everything else is a detail after that. Which Mm. cars are going to buy? What's the price? It doesn't even matter anymore. It's because you formed that bond. People and, will absolutely pay more. Yeah, they don't care anymore. It's a, no. it's a, the price is a triviality at that point, and I think that is the ultimate place you want to be. But then I also think about other things, like when they talk about connecting and then leading. I think of a if you look at all the great leaders across a whole bunch of different things, right? Like the most recent example I could think of is the president of Ukraine. Um, yeah. Oh my lo- gosh. A lot of people in that position, you know, maybe a lot of us listening, if you're in that position, you bounce. Right, yeah. you leave. You protect yourself. You protect your family, and you leave. Well, how can you lead in that situation if you're out of the country? He decided to stay there. He wears the same uniform his um, uh, soldiers wear, and a- absolutely, they view you as a, as very relatable and empathetic. And then they follow you. And it's it, like it, Gandhi, it, it, Princess it, Diana, all no, these names. Literally, the entire world is behind him. Like you just see this happening to your country. You see, you know, him in, you know, military uniform walking out everyone behind him. Oh my God. It was just amazing. Just amazing. But that that's to the point. Like I said, every other leader that I can think of that, it was a great leader. Um, they did that. They connect even like uh, the stories about the, the most recent Pope, the current Pope, like Mm. scrubbing people's feet, Gandhi, yeah. like they really get down on the same level as the people around them. That's and, also a Catholic thing, but yeah. 
I just think that it's ironic because people believe that to lead, you have to be ahead of people. You have to be better than people or above people. But in actuality, to lead, you have to be equal. You have to be on the same footing as people. You have to connect to them on their level, and then they're more likely to follow you. It's kind of a so, weird dynamic. Yeah. So this is the thing. So it, it goes both ways. I do this, and I know I do it. There was a client that called, randomly picked up the phone, and they were saying, oh, we're doing this event in Vegas. It is for this fashion event, la, 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 la. And I typically wasn't asking a whole bunch of questions you know, about like who or what I'm just learning that people are still kind of like touchy about certain things. Um, we booked a massive event for a huge company and they wouldn't tell me who the company was until after we booked it. Like it's a common thing. I mean, you know, it is what it is. And it's really hard to kind of identify with people or give them the information that they want or, you know, help me help you. And most of the time it's just a little bit secretive. I don't know. So he was kind of acting this way and wouldn't tell me who the brand was. I was like, that's fine. No big deal. He goes, well, do you have any examples of any fashion events that you've done? And I was like, yeah, I go. The only issue is fashion events haven't come back since pandemic. So we've only done two. And I, showed i was like hey like this is what we did we had this example um it was for i'll just say who the client was it was for diesel and we did a fragrance launch for them in new york and the we ended up building this like video wall and it was like this like kind of like an led box and then we effectively did like a music video and he was asking for something similar so what they wanted to do was they wanted to do a green screen with the walking treadmill so people would get on the treadmill that is covered in green screen and would walk and we're effectively trying to do like a catwalk. And I was like, yeah, I go, we can do, you know, a, a paparazzi runway little effect. I go, I truthfully, I told him, I go, I don't think it's safe that we do a, a treadmill. I think that I can accomplish it without a treadmill. We can just do a longer green screen and then have people walk back and forth. I said, I can pretty much fake it if I need to. And he goes, okay, yeah, that's great. Not a problem. So I send him the example that we did and he just lights up and comes back and was like, oh my God, you know, this is part of our same company. He goes, we, we have the same parent company. This is the brand. And all of a sudden he just started spilling and he was like, oh, they're two floors below me. And then, so I go, he asked me about the event and I told him, I go, it was horrible. He was like, what do you mean? And so I just started telling him, I was like, I go, we were hired by like this third party event planning company and the little girl that intern, whatever that hired us got fired on the spot. And he was like, yeah, he goes, that happens on occasion. And, uh, you know, all, and I'm just truly speaking, honestly, and I could have, you know, easily said, oh, it was great. It was fantastic or whatever. I was like, no, like, this is what went down. This is what happened. The one of the main clients from the parent company came to me and was like, oh, what are we doing here? And none of the team knew what was going on because the girl was the person that was our contact. And that was like her one thing to do. So I stepped in and I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. And, you know, explained the experience and everything was, you know, good, fine and fantastic. And then he was like sold and it didn't even have to do with whatever it was, you know, we were proposing to do. What do you attribute it mostly to? 
I think it was just because just being real and just being like, whenever he asked about the event, I was like, it was a shit show. <laughs> yeah, you know what this comes back to, to me? Oh, sorry. That was a delayed, yeah. that was a delayed beep. Um, I think what this comes back to, to me, is as I was thinking about it and as I was hearing your story, what I was saying before is that people, people follow people that they relate to, that they're on the same level as. And I might even go a step further than that. I think sometimes it's easier to lead if you're below other people because they, they don't have their guard up anymore. They don't feel like this person's trying to sell me. And that's like what you said. You were just real with him. His guard went down because he's like, all right, this guy's yeah. not trying to sell or trick me. No. And then it makes the whole conversation a lot easier afterwards. And I, I know thinking, a- thinking back to even like my, my uh, old career on Wall Street, I had an easier time leading my managers by playing dumb because I was mm-hmm. below them. So I would just throw out, hey, I don't know if this is a dumb idea, but what about this? And why'd you do it this way? And kind of lead them down the route I wanted them to go on <laughs> by playing dumb. And they're not, yeah. they don't feel threatened. So it's, it's a trick. I absolutely get that. And this goes the other way around. I made a purchase this last weekend. I won't say what. Um, however, the salesperson, you know, we're there and I'm, I, I walked in and he was very stoic, very helpful. And I couldn't kind of like pinpoint it. And I was like, there's something that I just can't put my finger on. So then he was, we were in, uh, I guess a little showroom or what have you. And there was a couple of other people with another sales associate finishing a transaction. They left. So the second they left, he goes, do you watch RuPaul's drag race? And I was like, uh, yeah. And then he starts like queening out and like goes off on RuPaul's Drag Race and totally not selling me whatever it is I'm looking at. And all of a sudden it became about, you know, chit-chatting about some of like the drag queens and whatever. So then he was like, oh, well, we just saw this person. And, you know, he shows me one of the drag queens on his phone, like in a video, whatever. And he asked me about Vegas. He was like, oh, have you been to the show in Vegas? I was like, yeah, I go, you know – We've met some of the, you know, queens before, what have you. And then he starts going off. All of a sudden, we're talking about this for 15 minutes. And I'm like, I'm ready to buy whatever it is the hell you're selling me. And I made the purchase purely because of that. Swear to God. Isn't that amazing? I feel like you hear all these sales tactics and tips and like, you got to follow up this many times and the pricing should end with a nine and just all these tactical stuff. But at the end of the day, none of that matters. You have to connect with the person and that's the main thing, right? It's just wild that it's that simple. I love doing this. So we got, so this is a little bit bizarre. Um, We got a lead for a funeral conference in Vegas, which it's a little much, <laughs> um, but you know, funeral directors have conferences too. And you know, what are the new casket models for this year? And you know, everyone wants to stay up in their industry and that's completely fine. Sidebar. I've been in funeral TikTok, and I cannot get out of it. And I am absolutely loving it. It is so insane to see what these people have to go through. I mean, it is so completely opposite than what we go through because we deal with people at the happiest times of their life. And that particular job you're dealing with you know people that are dealing with horrible things at the worst part of their life so it's just very interesting to hear the juxtaposition but i was on the phone with there was so i have a thing set up on on the website where someone can go in and book a call 
which throughout pandemic was really when I instituted it. And I've kind of kept it since. Um, I love the fact of, you know, it sets up the meeting. I have the meeting connected to the calendar. I have the calendar connected to the lights in the office. So whenever like I have like a meeting, like my little thing blinks or whatever. So cool. So cool. So I'm on the phone with this like funeral company or what have you. And she's going over with me on the things that they want to accomplish. And I go, and I had an idea for it. And I go, this is going to sound, um, I was like, I hope this doesn't sound morbid. And I gave her my idea. And I was just like, I am taking a huge risk by saying this. I really am. So effectively what I was going to do is it was, um, the, company has the, 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 the theme was like mountain climbing. So I was like, well, what if we did a video activation where we would have people climbing and I think it had something to do with insurance as part of like what the thing is they were selling. So I go, what if we did a video activation where people are climbing and then they fall and we can have props and whatever, make it look like people are falling and then it'll fade to black. And then we'll say like, Oh, you know, I don't know. I don't know whatever the slogan is, you know, bad things happen, but we're here for you whenever, you know, they go bad or whatever. She loved the idea. And I took a huge gigantic sigh of relief because I was like, this could go one of two directions, but I'm glad I said it because she loved it. And you know, that's the thing is if you watch any reality competition show, the whole thing is you have to take risks and you have to do things that other people are not willing to do to effectively set yourself apart or get ahead or charge more or whatever it is the case may be. Whenever I said this, I was like, I was freaking the hell out because I was just like, what if she thinks this is so morbid? And she's like, no, she was like, we are, she goes, we are dealing with death all the time. She goes, we don't view it the way how you view it. We have to laugh at it at a certain point, you know, otherwise we'll just drive ourselves crazy. Which, and I told her, I was like, I go, my father just passed away. And so we started talking about that and the things I had to go through. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. Like you can do X, Y, and Z. So it was just like, I was able to be vulnerable enough with her to where, I don't know if the, the trust level just went up or what have you. And then also share the idea that I thought was just not normal. I mean, it was just, it such an interesting conversation. I'm glad I did. And they ended up booking and, you know, everything's great. Yeah. You mentioned the, um, the opposite end of the spectrum with the funeral stuff and our stuff. And I think even though that they're, they're at opposite ends, they're both for around emotional times. Right. Mm. And that is an opening to really connect and empathize with people. And I think a lot of people just focus on selling a booth and selling a casket as opposed to connecting with the person. Like for example, small example, um, Whenever someone reached out to us as a lead at a venue, a local venue that I got married at, I would mention that, hey, I got married there. Here's a photo. There's like a really photogenic part of the venue. Um, so us as bride and groom, I would be like, yeah, I got married there. Here's a picture. It was great. I can give you any tips. or But just basically connecting with them that I got married there too. And yeah. I think these emotional uh, events are easy openings to empathize and connect with people. And I think a lot of people drop the ball there and they just view it as, like, can I take your order? You want fries mm. with that? And, and they yeah. don't take advantage of that opportunity. That's another thing is I remember when I was younger 
And I mean, I've literally been doing this since I was like 17, 18 years old. And I remember I would have, my age was a hindrance whenever I was meeting clients in person because they'd look at me and they're like, oh, you're so young. Now, not the case. However, whenever I had a slight advantage, whenever I was on the phone with people. So if I was on the phone with someone, I, I knew that I had to have seen more and I needed to know more than they did to establish me as whatever sort of authority. So if I'm on the phone with someone and someone says, oh, I'm getting married at the Westin, I have to go, oh, are you working with Melissa or are you working with Ava? Oh, we're working with Ava. I absolutely love her, blah, 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 blah. And then they're like, oh, you know her? Well, yeah, absolutely. Everyone that is listening to my voice right now, I'm assuming that you are some sort of authority in your little community and you know certain people at certain venues or with certain caterers or florists or whatever. I'm sure you absolutely know all these people. So whenever you get a client on the phone that says, oh, you know, what about, you know, what do you think of this? Well, you have to go in and establish yourself as an authority and say, oh, yeah, absolutely, blah, 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 blah. Whenever you do – and this – you don't even have to know people even if you've been to the place before. So you can say, you know, oh, my event is at, you know, Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas. Oh, gosh, that, you know, convention center is 10 million square feet. It's so huge, blah, blah, blah. Like you get a workout whenever you, oh, yeah, I know we did a walkthrough. I mean, say whatever it is you can to identify with someone, making sure that they know that you know kind of what's going on. Right. And, and, you know, we just talked about how, because it's around emotional events, it's easier to connect and empathize. But the example you played earlier with the TikTok clip was about a car purchase, right? Mm. So the other takeaway that I had from that clip was that the guy Googled the person. He probably does that to every single person that he meets to try to find that information that allows him to connect with the person. And I, I just wonder the people listening, like if that's the only takeaway you have, that can be a game changer. How many photo boothers or event professionals out there, when you get a lead, do you look them up? I, I think it's almost uh, an innate thing to just like a knee jerk now. No, do you do it? I've, I, I don't do it for everyone, but I, I, I'm sure you do it too. If you see like a company name or you see yeah, yeah. something or that you makes you email. look it up. Right. But why don't we do it for everybody? It takes three seconds, right? And then maybe you find something. I've done it for other businesses where I would look up um, people's like social media profiles to find out what they liked. Were they a Knicks fan? Were they this? Were they that? To find out these uh, Nobody's pieces a Knicks fan. that allow me to connect with them. <laughs> and I just think that extra effort is something that people don't really do. And if you do do it, yeah, it may not pay off every time, but that one or two times that it pays off, it'll pay off big. Well, and I think the interesting thing is, you know, whenever you have a lead come in and you're like, oh, it's at this, you know, gigantic venue or, oh, this seems, you know, rather large, what have you, who is this? And then, you know, every now and then I'll either click on the venue just to see like what the venue looks like, because that's a pretty good barometer. And then also, uh, you know, look at the email, you know, type in the email to, you know, the web browser or whatever. Funny enough, and I'm going to leave it at this one. I got a lead for this event in Vegas and I, uh, I it was called billionaire something. Um, 
hold on. Let me, I hope I'm not calling someone out here because that would just be too funny. Um, it was called like, I don't know, Billionaire Boys Club, and it was some real estate thing, whatever. And so I was like, okay, whatever, sent the quote out. And it was for a two-hour quote on a Tuesday. And I sent out a $1,500 360 quote because um, Tuesday is our smallest, you know, of, of the week. And it was two hours. Nothing's going on. It's in July. There's no business to be had. Fine. Send out a $1,500 quote. And he goes, oh, it's too expensive. And he asked me to do like equipment rental. He's like, oh, can we just rent the platform? I was like, mm, no. But I just got a kick out of how the the event name was Billionaire, Billionaire Boy. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't afford $1,500? Like what? <laughs> Yeah, some some mismatch or disconnect. There. I got a kick out of that one. But one anyways. one other thing before we move on from this is something that you said at the very beginning, where you don't uh, like tell people to do something that you wouldn't do, and I think that's also very important. It, it ties into the connect and then lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like even simple examples where I would I would like I was in Europe at this restaurant, which was like the top restaurant in that town. It was it was a known place, and I remember going mm-hmm. in there and it was busy. And um, I had local friends that knew the owner and everyone's working. And I see this guy like scrubbing the tables and they're like, Oh, that's the owner. I'm like, that's the owner. He's scrubbing the tables. And then I got a chance to speak with him. And he's like, I don't, he's like, honestly, I don't do it all the time, but we're really busy and I'm not above anybody else. And it has to get done. And I think that sets the tone for the team. Like you can't complain about having to do the tables or scrubbing the floors because I'm doing it too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's easier to lead from that point of view. I think the, the interesting is there was one time where we were, I was at uh BoothCon in Melbourne and we were driving from Sydney, I think Sydney to Melbourne. Cause I think I remember driving anyways, we stopped at this little coastal town and this, you know, tiny little seafood restaurant. And the owner was kind of doing the same thing. The owner was running the food. The owner was, you know, chit-chatting with people. And we were talking with him whenever we um, cashed out. And he had a whole bunch of, like, Disney World pictures. So then we start chit-chatting about Disney and Disney World and what have you. And he goes, the, he goes, that's the reason I work. I was like, what? He was like, yeah, that's the reason why we had the restaurant. And he told me the story of the reason why he had the restaurant was to be able to afford to take his kids to Florida from Australia. I was like gosh, that's, you know, insane, but I'd do the same. <laughs> that's bonkers, but I would do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.